So today's daf is daf Lamed Gimel, page 33 in uh, the Helege Meseches Ksubis. And we are up to Omar Lach Rabbi Yechanan. Uh, this is about eight lines from the top of Lamed Gimel Amar Aleph. There's a little Aleph in parentheses, a Rashi Aleph on parentheses. One, two, three, four, five, seven. Seven lines. Seven lines from the top of Lamed Gimel Amar Aleph. All right? Here we go. Let's give a little background. Okay, we're up to Amar Lach Rabbi Yechanan, but let's give a little background before we start. Yesterday's daf was all about a fundamental machlokas between Ula and Rabbi Yochanan. What is the machlokas? So in our Mishnah, we were introduced to a concept called Kimle Bidarabamine. That when somebody's obligated in two punishments for one action, you are only going to receive the harsher punishment. Now, the fundamental machlokas in Ula and Rabbi Yochanan is as follows. If somebody's action obligates them in Malkus and Mammon, it obligates in lashes and it obligates in finances, which one is more severe? Which consequence is more severe that will give that one? Okay? So... Ula was of the opinion that Mammon is more severe. Rabbi Yochanan was of the opinion that Malchus is more severe. Each one we learned on yesterday's daf, specifically on Ahmed Bey's, brought a proof backing them up. Ula learned it out from Xerah Shava of Tachas Tachas. It says the word tachas when somebody violates a woman. It says the word tachas when somebody wounds somebody else. And just like when somebody wounds somebody else, they walk away paying financially and they do not receive malchus. So too, whenever there's malchus and mammon, you get, uh, you're going to um, pay money and you're not going to receive malchus. Okay? Rabbi Yochanan disagreed. Rabbi Yochanan brought, uh, Rabbi Yochanan brought his source. Rabbi Yechanan says, no, milky, lucky, He says that whenever there's Malchus and Mammon, you're going to receive lashes. Why? He learned it out from Edom Zomimim. Okay? By Edom Zomimim, the Pasuk says, according to his wickedness, which lets us know that you only get punished for one of the wickedness and not two. And next to that expression, that verse, telling me you only got one, it says, Arba'im Yakanu. Which one is it? Says Rebbechon. His drasha is our Baum Yakenu. So the one you're going to get is the Malchus. You're not going to get the money. Okay. So we learn each one's got its source. What we're trying to pick up now with seven lines from the top of Lamed Gimel Lamed Aleph is what does Rebbechon find improper with Ula's source? Ula's source of Tachas Tachas taught him that you pay money, you don't receive Malchus. Rabbi Yochanan chose to go with a different route and say, no, you get Malchus and not money. We want to know why Rabbi Yochanan argues on Ula that he has an issue with Ula's source. All right? Good? Are we clear? That's, that's a little bit of a, uh, just a, a recap of Ahmed Bey's yesterday. All right, so here we go. Ahmed Rabbi Yochanan is going to say, let me tell you Ula's source is incorrect. Hi, Tachas Asherino, when it says Tachas Asherino, which means Tachas, that he was ma'ana her, he afflicted her, referring to raping and violating her. That word is not here to teach me a Shava. 
rather of of uh, that you pay money, you don't get malchus. Rather, it's coming to teach me the halacha of Abaye. The Omar Abaye says, Omar Kroh, it says in the verse, it says in the Tere, Tachas Asher Inam, because he uh, did Inoi, he afflicted her. Hi, Tachas Asher Inam, Achlal Diko Baishupagam. This that he afflicted her, you pay a fine, besides for the Baishupagam. Besides for the regular uh, payments that you give to anybody who you damage. For example, you hurt somebody, you cause a wound, you have to pay not only the, uh, the, uh, the, the damage that you cause to their body, but also the embarrassment, and also the, the lack of value that they go down in the marketplace. Okay, so says, so says the Gemara, Rabbi Yechanan doesn't like Ula's tachas tachas. Why? Because again, how did we, remember we went through what Xer Shava, how you make Xer Shava. You can only make Xer Shava if each word that is, lo, that is there is extra. If there's an extra word, you could use it to connect to a similar word and learn something out. But if the word is, is there necessarily, so then you can't learn anything out. Says Rabbi Yechanan, I don't like Ula's tachas tachas uh, th- that he learns out from um, violating a woman to hurting somebody to regular damages because the tachas by violating a woman is a necessary word hence there's no xerishava there's no connection to afflicting somebody else just because when you afflict somebody else you pay and you don't get malchus is not a source to tell me by by inoy by um that you pay money and you don't get malchus I disagree I disagree with Ula okay Says the Gemara, okay, so now we understand why Rabbi Yechanan didn't like Ula's source. But remember, Rabbi Yechanan had his own source. Why does Ula not like Rabbi Yechanan's source? Ve'ula. And what about Ula? What's he going to respond to Rabbi Yechanan? Nafkalei the Rava. He learns it out from Rava. The Yomar Rava, Rava says, Amar Krav V'nasa, Nishar Shechivim, Alavian, Arachamishim, Kesef. The, man, the guy who violates the young girl has to pay the father, Chamishim, Kesef, Hanosh, Chiva, Chamishim. What does that mean? It means that the benefit that one receives from having relations with her is valued at 50 shekel. Mechlal, you can infer, which means that that is unique just for the, the action of violation. But is that in place of the other financial obligations that you always pay? No. Says Ula, beautiful. This that it says, Hamishim Kesef, that you're going to pay the 50 silver shekel, I know it's separate from all the other payments. How do I know that? Because it says, um, because it says, "V'nosan ha'ish hashaychev ima la'avi hanarach hamishim kasef." The man gives for lying with her fifty kasef. Does that mean instead of everything else? No, for lying with her, just the call it the pleasure. Call it the benefit, the gain that he feels he has. That itself, you have to pay. I. what about the damage you're causing physically to the woman? Of course, you're going to have to pay that also. Okay. Memela says, Ula, I still have the Xerishab. Fine. When the Torah says that you pay the Avihanara, you pay the father of the young girl 50 chamishim kesef, 50 kesef. 
that the, the, the Torah writes it, it says, for lying with her. You have to pay her 50 kesa for lying with her. Okay? Now, when a person turns a young girl into a ba'ula, when you violate the young girl, okay? You're damaging, you're causing damage to her body. You're causing pain to her body. You're causing embarrassment. Right, 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 right. But where does it say that, that you have to pay for all that? Oh, so Ula is saying that from the fact that the, the assumption is, what, let me ask you, let me ask you, would you assume you need to pay for all that? If somebody goes and no, rapes... we're not talking about logic. We're talking about the Torah. We're, we're not talking about logic, we're, we're talking, talking about, about the Torah. You, you, what, what you mean is we're talking about Xerxes Akosov. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay, I got you, I got you. Okay, so you're, you're asking, prove it. I'm responding to you when the Torah says that somebody strikes his friend and causes body damage. You have to pay five categories of payment. Damage to the body, pain, medical bills, embarrassment, loss of work. What, what does it mean when you hit your fellow? What does it mean when you hit him? When you smack him in the face? What does it mean? I'm asking you. What does it mean? When the terror writes that. If you do that, you have to do that. I mean, in each case. In each Good. Case, depending on what Agreed. You, what, I agree with you. What wrong you've done. That's right. So if somebody rapes a girl, would that be included in that verse? So. Agreed. You're right. You're right. So when somebody were to violate forcibly a girl, you're going to have just as far as laws of damages, bavakama, right? Nizikin, damages. You're going to have to pay that. When the Torah writes that when somebody violates a girl, a nara, you have to pay 50 kesef. The assumption is, says Ula, that 50 kesef is separate from damages. That is a separate fine, a, a, a uh, status quo set amount that you're always going to have to pay the father just for lying with her. For, for lying with her, 50 kesef. Does that in any way, shape, or form remove one's obligation to pay for the regular damages that you need to pay any other Jew when you, when you strike their body against their will? No. That's what Ula's saying over here. Good? Beautiful. Okay. Says the Gemara. Okay, says the Gemara, Rebbe Lazar, I'm Rebbe Lazar, says, We said when, when witnesses are turned into and they're caught, they're going to have to, they're, they're going to pay monetarily what they tried to do, but they don't get Malkus. And this is because they are not B'nai Hasra. Ready for not B'nai Hasra? Did, did we warn the witnesses before they came that if they lie and they're caught with a with a imanu um, hayisem with some another another uh, group says you were with us? Are we going to say two witnesses walk into Besdin and they and we say to them, oh by the way, before you testify, you should know 
If two witnesses come after you and say, you were with us somewhere else on that day at that time, you should know we're going to do to you what, what you tried to do. Do we do that to witnesses? We don't. We don't do that. We'll see why soon. Very powerful idea. Very powerful idea. But we don't do that. When two people walk into bed and we don't say, by the way, if you guys are a bunch of liars, we're going to do to you what you tried to We don't do that to them. Okay? Fine. And therefore, therefore, are they going to receive a warning that, the, that they might get Malchus? Now, this is assuming that speech gets Malchus. That's assumes we, uh, Did they receive a warning? No. Okay. So they pay. Omar Rav, Rav says, Teda, you should know. Nisru Bahu Amas. There's no way that these Adim Zomimin, right? These Adim that were that were found to be liars with Imanu Ayisem, there's no way that we warn them. Because when would you warn them? Listen to this Gemara, this is beautiful, Khabra. Listen to this. Nisri Muhumekara, do you think we're warning the witnesses from the get-go? Is that what you think? That when witnesses walk into Besdin, we say to them, you better be careful. Because if you're busted with aid with Zaymeim, we're going to do to you. No, you know why we're not going to do that? Amri, you know, you, you know what the, they're going to say? Ishtalion. Ishtalion means we forgot. Now what this means is incredible. You can't, warning somebody doesn't mean that they knew it at some point in their life. Doesn't mean that. I know I'm not allowed to do a particular transgression. And I learned it in the Torah. I know the Torah says if you do it, if I'm still not warned right before my action, it's not called a warning. So he says, what do you want? Aid them come into Bezdin. If you warn them before their testimony, and then they start giving testimony, and then they're turned to be Zomim, that's too far after the event to call that a warning. Nesri behu b'shas maisa. So what do you want to do? Do you want to warn them immediately as they're starting to talk? Let me tell you something, says Rava. Chavra, listen. Pershi v'loy misadi. People will not testify in a Bezdin if when you walk into Bezdin, the first thing the Bezdin says to them is, we're warning you, you better not be liars. Imagine somebody walks into your business for a job. And your first conversation with them, and you need them. You need them to work for you. Somebody comes to volunteer in your shul. They come to volunteer in your yeshiva. They come to volunteer. You're like, hey, you better not. You better not. I'm here for you. I'm here to make things right. And the first thing we do is start warning them about they better not be messing up. Guess what's going to happen? Parshi Masadi. People aren't going to testify. And this is an important yesaid. It, it, it's, it's really important, by the way. It's really something to keep in mind that when people want to come to do what's right, it's our responsibility to make it easier for them, not to make it more difficult for them. Don't make it, don't make it hard for them to do it. So maybe we should say like this. Maybe we should say, after, immediately after they, or, or let's just say, after they testify, warn them that better have been true. Says the Gemara, also an important idea in life, and that is, what was, was. You can't change something that already happened, hence, it's not called a warning. So ask the Gemara, basically, 
uh, I mean, Rava will say, points out basically that when witnesses come to testify, it's not possible we're warning them that they're going to be obligated in Malchus. We're not going to do it before. We're not going to do it immediately before. And we're not doing it right after. So we know for sure there was no warning. Fine. Mask of... Go ahead, yeah. Go ahead. When the guy, when the guy wasn't the, uh, the young lady, yep. we didn't uh, give him. We didn't give him an edict right before he did it. We'd say, "Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah! Uh, you better be careful because if you touch this, if you touch her, you're going to give me bochus, Yeah, yeah. That's what you're going to have to do. You have to do that. That's what you have to do. You don't need to go through each detail, but you're going to have to tell him in order for him to be obligated in Malchus. You have to say, by the way, this negative transgression that you're about to do, that you're about to perform, obligates you in Malchus. That's the only way we'll give him Malchus. But but over here we're dealing with Adam Zoma. Yeah, but what's the difference? Huh? So what's the well, the difference is because when somebody is performing an action that's forbidden, it makes sense to give him a warning right it's then. But at the time that they walk into Besdin, are they coming? Do we view them as people who are coming to do an Avera or people who are coming to help and do a mitzvah? See, when somebody's violating a girl, you're like, get your hands off her. When two witnesses walk into Besdin, are we going to say, oh, 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 oh. don't come. Don't, don't, don't even start. Of course not. We, we need witnesses. In, in court, in court, we do that? No. We say, sure, you, you, put, you put your hand on the Bible. Oh, put your hand on the Bible. Good. Yale saying, put your hand on the Bible and take an oath. Can yeah. Can you say, I swear that I'm telling the truth? No, no, no. Nothing but the truth. No, they find the truth. That's exactly what they do. Okay, very good. Maybe they get it from our But But in court, in a, in a Bezden, we don't obligate that. In a Bezden, as long as people come in with a chazaka, that with a status of being Emma's Dika people, you don't, you're not obligated to do that. You don't do that. And we dafka don't do that because we want witnesses to come. So we specifically don't do that. Okay, it, you're right. It's different than civil courts. That's a that's a valid or a very valid uh, valid thought. Okay, let's keep going. Says the Gemara, Maskevla Abaye. Abaye challenges Rava, and he says, "One second, Rava, you're saying there's no way we warned these these Adam Zomimin. Again, Rabiel, we didn't know they were Zomimin when they testified. We only know afterwards. So why are we already warning them about something as if they're liars? So says Abaye, I'll tell you what to do." Let them give their testimony, and then, right when they're done their testimony, we should say, which is within two to three seconds. It's the amount of time that it takes to say the words, Shalom Alecha, Rebbe Yomori, peace upon you, Rebbe, my, 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 uh, my teacher. That's all you need to do, and it connects to the previous statement, right? We know this is, very, this is, a, this is true in halacha. There's, a, very, there's a, a, a lot of halachas where this applies. If somebody ends a, a uh, bracha the wrong way, you make the wrong bracha, but you fix yourself, you change it within two to three seconds, 
it's a valid change. It's like you made the original bracha, but once you wait afterwards, now it's a whole new statement. And maskifla ravacha braid ravikov and isru hubei karo v'nir muze. Why don't we warn them before them and uh, before and then hint to them at the time that they're giving their testimony, which is another fascinating idea. You know, um, they have this. There, there's this joke out there that's not funny because it's been told over so many times. But there's this group of jokesters that they, they all know each other's jokes. They have the same thousand jokes that uh, everyone got so sick of telling the jokes and they knew the jokes so well that they would just start quoting numbers. So they would say, uh, you know, they would, one guy would say to the other, 467, and they would all crack up because they all knew joke 467, so it was taka funny, right? So one guy, uh, one, one time a guy walks into the club, this uh, comedy club, and he sees them just saying numbers. So he's like, oh, big deal. Big, <laughs> yeah, big deal. So he walks in, he says, 27. No response. It's like, uh, 122. Garnished. Nobody. So he looks at them and he says, well, what, what, I thought you have a thousand jokes. They said, you have to know how to tell the joke. You have to, <laughs> you have to know how to tell the joke. All right. So, what happens is like this. Once you know the joke, once you know the joke, or once you know a piece of information, it's like Parshas Devarim. All Maishu Rabbeinu needed to say is, Ever Hayardain, Bamidbar, Ba'arava, Ma'ilsof, Bain Paran. He was hinting to things that happened, and we knew exactly what Maisha was talking about. He just had to say one word. So says Rav Acha Bereder Avika. He says, I'll tell you what you could do. You could give them a warning well before. And I, it's too far ahead to have a warning. Immediately beforehand say, oh, by the way, Zaymimin. Just say one or two words which hints that they better be careful. And that would be considered a valid warning. Because you're reminding them about what you spoke about before. So Hadram Arbaye, so Abaye went back and he said, Lav Amri, really, I, I have to change what I said. What a beautiful, uh, the reason why the Gemara is telling us. Abaye says, I made a mistake. I need to correct myself. I was wrong. Lav he. this is not a matter, the Amri, this that I said. What I said is false. You know why the Gemara is telling us the, the, this part of the conversation? Because we have to learn that the biggest of the big of Amirahim, they could also make a mistake, but as long as you admit that it was a mistake, so then uh, it's, it's growth for everybody. So he says like this, If you're going to say that Eden Zaymim need Hasra, it's going to come out that when we don't warn them, we're not going to kill them, it's not possible. Listen to this Svara, this is great. Is there such a thing where they wanted to kill somebody without Asra and then we're going to obligate them in Asra? But we need We need over here and you don't have that. That is Abaye's reconsideration. Hevra, let's pause. I want to talk about this. This is beauty. This is such a beautiful idea from Abaye. Listen close. Let's get into the kishkas of how a zomim works. Here's how it works. Two witnesses walk into Besdin. They say, Yankul killed Beryl. Two other witnesses 
walk into Besdin and they say to the first witnesses, there's no way you could have seen Yankul kill Beryl because you were with us in a different place at that time. The Torah gives us a novel idea. You know what the Chiddush is? We kill the first set of witnesses. Why? Says in the Torah, Kasher zomam What you tried to do to your brother, that's what we do to you. Okay? Tit for tat. Situation for situation. You tried to get Yankel killed for killing Beryl. That's what you tried to do. We're going to kill you for trying to kill Yankel with your testimony. Now, Hever, listen closely. When the first group walked in and testified that Yankel killed Beryl, was it true? No, we know now it wasn't true. They weren't even there. So they tried getting Yankel killed without giving him Hasra. Is there any way they gave him a warning? No, they weren't even there. So you have two people who walked into Besden, Yankel killed Beryl, we warned him, we said that they throw the book at him, and it turns out they're liars. So they tried getting him killed without any warning. What does the Torah say you do to the eight Zomim? Huh? They try to get him killed when it never happened. Right. And if it never happened, they never gave him a warning. It's not even a warning. Nachon. True, it never happened, and therefore, since it never happened, they weren't even there, they certainly didn't give him a warning. That's all you need to know for here. So now listen, 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 this is great. When we judge that group of witnesses, are we going to say we'll only kill you, the first group, if we warned you, if we actually warned you? No. You know what we're going to say to them? The Torah says, we do to you what you tried to do. You tried to get Yankul killed when you for sure didn't warn him. You weren't even there. So we'll do to you. We'll kill you, even though we didn't warn you. You hear the chab? Beautiful. Here's the chab. Again. Again. Usually, says Abaye, you always need hasra'ah. You always need warning before you give somebody a punishment. However, Edom Zomimim is unique. Because the Torah gives us a novel idea that we do to the Edom Zomim whatever they try doing to the defendant. Since to the defendant, they certainly didn't give him Hasra'ah because they were in Miami, they were in a different city. We'll kill them without giving them Hasra'ah either. What you tried to do, that's what we do to you. That's Abayah's approach. Very Gishmak. Okay? So again... Originally, Abayah's like, oh, how's it? How's a shayich? How's it possible? Hasra, not hasra. He says, no, 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 hold on. Hold on, everybody. He says, you don't need hasra. Because the way Adam Zomimim works, you don't need hasra. We do to them what they tried to do to the other guy. Very gishmak. Maskeflo, Rav Samar, Breit, Rav Yirmiyah, Rav Samar, Son, Rav asks a challenging question on Abayah. He says, ben grusha ben chalutza. If witnesses testify that somebody is a non-Kohen, somebody is known to be a Kohen, and they walk into Bez and they say, by the way, his mother was a divorcee when his father married her, and therefore he cannot get called up to the Torah as a Kohen. He cannot give the priestly blessings. He is a Cholo. 
What do we say? So there's a, there's the, the very first daf in Mesechus Makas tells us, we don't say to the Edom Zomimin, you tried making him a cholo, we'll make you a cholo. It's not the way it works. It's we'll wait till Makas, but when we get there, ultimately what we do to them is we give them Malkus. They get Malkus. We don't, we don't turn them into a cholo, even if they're kahanim. Even if they're kahanim. By the cholos, the regular Yisrael. So if they're regular Yisrael, who cares? In their Gahanim, we don't make no chalts. We'll see them when we get them. But, but um, the halacha is, they, they get malchus. And even though it's not literally what they tried to do. So in such a case where you're not doing tit for tat, you're not doing exactly to them what they exactly tried to do, maybe in such a circumstance, we should obligate a warning in order for them to get malchus. Because over there, it's not exactly what, we're, what they try to do or are we doing to them. So the Gemara says, That's a nice chap. It would be a nice catch, maybe. But ultimately, we know that Mishpat HaShavah means there's the same halacha that applies to, to uh, every Eidzomim. Hence, if you don't need Hasra by some circumstances of becoming a Zaymim, we're going to say you never need Hasra under... Uh, under uh, any circumstance of becoming an aid zaymim. Okay, period, beautiful. Gewaldik. Now, the Gemara is now going to shift back to our original conversation. And that is when somebody um, hurts or damages somebody else and they're obligated in Malchus and they're obligated in Mamon, how does it work? Do you get Malchus and not Momen? Do you get Momen and not Malchus? So again, we had Rabbi Yochanan's approach that um, we had Rabbi Yochanan's approach that you get you get Malchus, and we had Ula's approach that you pay. So here we go. Rav Shisha braids Ravidi Omar. Rav Shisha, the son of Ravidi, says, You should know when somebody damages his friend. I have another source to tell you like Ula, that you pay and you do not get lashes. How so? Says the Gemara. Two men get into a fist fight and they start punching. And one of them, as he's punching, hits the belly of a pregnant woman and she miscarries. Did she die? No. The fetus dies. So the Torah tells us there's a financial penalty that the one who hit her has to pay. That's, you're going to have to pay money. Again, it was a love for hitting, but you pay. And Rabbi Lazar says, This is found... In a place where two, the two guys were literally trying to kill each other. They were trying to kill each other. And this woman somehow got in the middle of this scuffle. How do you know that this was the case where they were mamish out to kill? And if there's going to be an ason, ason means a terrible tragedy. Let's say not only is the fetus killed, but the mother 
of the fetus is killed. There's a also, there's a terrible tragedy that happens to her. She dies. So the halacha is, whoever hit her is Chayov Misa. Now this is interesting. Because what was happening? What was the story? Two guys were trying to knock each other's lights out. This woman gets in the middle. Did anybody try to kill this woman? No. They were trying to kill each other. It happened to be, he threw a left hook, and it went wide, and it nailed this woman. Nebuch. And it killed her. So we say, Nefesh tachas nefesh, the guy who, who hit her, is Chay of Misa. Says Gemara, hey chidami, what's the case? Idalai asrubei, if nobody warned him that striking with a left hook, if he kills somebody, he's going to be Chay of Misa. If there's no warning at all about anything, Amai Miktil, why, why is he Chay of Misa? Why are we killing him? There's no warning. El Lapshita, rather the case, it's obvious the case is, the Asrube. He was warned, hey, buddy, if you end up killing this other guy, you're going to be, you're going to be killed. And when you are warned about killing somebody else, that same warning applies even for a Dovar Hakal, something which could end up being a lighter type of Avera, which means, let's say he's warned that if he kills the other guy, he's going to get Misa. And he's like, I don't care. And he draws a left hook and he clobbers the guy and the guy gets wounded. He doesn't die. So over there, even though he was warned for death, we're going to say that warning is, all, is certainly going to obligate you to get lashes. You're going to get lashes now. I didn't kill him. I know. But we warned you if you were, if it ended up killing him. So now that he's not dead, you're still going to get Malchus for the negative transgression in the Torah. Okay? The Yomar Achman of the Torah says, When there's no death... Then anish anish, there's going to be a punishment. Okay, so here you have a situation where you have a guy who's out to knock the daylights out of this other guy, and what's ended up happening? He hits this woman. He's going to end up getting Malchus for hitting. He's warned about death, but let's say there was no death to anybody, just a fetus. So what do we say? You're going to get Malchus for the love. And the monetary fine that you're going to, the payment that you're going to have to give to the parents or father of the baby. Okay. We know, we know there's certainly a fine. That's for sure. That, that, that's clear. So if anything, and you only get one or the other, it, you're going to be paying money. Fine. Masla Ravashi, Ravashi says, Why are you saying that if you're warned for something more severe, we're certainly going to consider that warning to be valid for a less type of punishment. Maybe it's not true. Maybe it's not true. Maybe you have to tell the guy, oh, and by the way, if there's no death, then you're going to be obligated in Malkus, you're going to be obligated in Mammon. And if you're going to, and even if you're going to tell me that when you're warned for misa, it includes it includes warning for anything else. Listen to this. This is wild. Why are you assuming that death is a capital punishment is more severe than giving somebody malchus? Says the Gemara, top of Amud Hold on to your sacks. Dilma malchus chamor. 
Maybe Malchus receiving lashes is worse than being killed. Wow. How's that possible? The Omar Rav, Rav says, incredible. The famous story of Hanani Meshav Azariah where Nebuchadnezzar made a statue. They, he told these prophets to bow down to it and they had themselves thrown into a fire. He says, if they would have been tortured, says Rav, they actually would have ended up bowing down. This is a wild statement of Rava, but something that is uh, of Rav, that is it's something that gives us a powerful message. And what Rav's telling us is like this. It takes incredible strength to give up one's life for the Rebunishlam. That decision, however, is a one-time decision that needs to be made. If you can muscle up that power once in your life to give it up for the Rebbeinu Shleilam, respect. However, to go through constant, continuous torture, it's much harder to stay strong. It is. It's much harder to stay strong on a consistent basis. And therefore, ask the Gemara, perhaps receiving Malchus in some way is even harder than being killed. Why are you assuming being killed is harder than receiving Malchus? To this, the Gemara answers, Amar le Rav Sama, brother of Ashi, le Rav Ashi, Vamid Rav Sama, brother of Ashi, le Rav Ashi, said to his father, He says like this, he says, you know when torture and ongoing torture can be harder than death? That's when you don't know when the end is. But by Malchus, where there's a maximum of 39, and it could be even less if the Besden rules that the person is not physically capable of, of holding on to it, that type of Malchus is certainly not worse than death. In, uh, an ongoing torture could be worse than death. And that's what Hanani Mishal Vazari were going through. But just in general to say that receiving Malchus is, worth, is worse than death, no, not possible. Hence, we know for sure that death is considered more severe than Malchus. Masla Rabbi Yaakov Min Arpekoi. Rabbi Yaakov Min Arpekoi asks a challenging question. It makes sense according to Rabbanan who say Nefesh Tachas Nefesh means that your mamish, we, we warned him, he's going to be high of Misa if he kills. But according to Rebbe, who says that, you, that, uh, you know, that if he kills, he's going to, he's going to have to pay uh, money. Michael and Maymar, what are you going to say? In other words, there was no warning at all for death. Therefore, you can't say that that warning applied to Malchus. The whole warning would have been a financial warning. And our assumption right now is that a warning about a financial obligation is not going to be called uh, a warning for Malchus. Maybe death is a warning for Malchus. Physical uh, hurt is a warning for a different type of physical. But a monetary hurt? We learn now from here. These guys are fighting and he gets up. And he goes outside and he mamish, um, and, um, and he, he mamish clocks the guy. And after the guy's punched, he goes back home and he dies the next day. He doesn't die on the spot. 
So then we say, there's no Chiyav Misa. I don't understand. You're going to tell me the guy is walking in the marketplace? The Misa, let's say he didn't die the next day. You warned him about Misa. He didn't kill the guy. The guy ends up, uh, you know, laying up, being laid up in bed for a couple days, and then he goes back to work. This guy's back on work, and we're going to be end up uh, killing the guy who hit him. That doesn't make sense. We know for sure that if somebody hits somebody else, even if it was a fatal, tight, uh, 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 a blow that could have been fatal, but miraculously the guy's the the victim goes back to work. There's no way that there's going to be a capital punishment. Ella, rather, melamed shechayv Here's what happens. Ready for this? When somebody clocks someone else so hard that it could kill him, here's what we do. We take the... What's the word for the, the bully? Uh, assailant. What? Assailant? The guy who's, who's hitting. Yeah? What's he called? The assailant? We, we take the aggressor. We take the assailant. Thank you, Jonathan. And we lock him up. We lock him up to see what ends up happening to the fellow who he punched. The emis katlina If the guy dies, will kill the um, assailant. The emis shifta yitim rabbi rabbi. If he doesn't die, then we give all the financial obligations. Hey, what's the, when, when does that happen? What's the case? If there was no hasra, if there was no warning, am I mikta? Why, why is he killed? There was a warning. Since he was warned for being killed and the guy that ended up being killed, certainly we're going to say that uh, that same warning applies even to something that's more lenient. And the Torah still says, Shifta you're still going to have to pay. So you see from over here that when somebody's obligated in money and somebody's obligated in lashes, what do you get? The money, you have the money obligation, and that's going to be a proof. On that, Masla Ravashi, Ravashi has a challenging question. How do you know that being warned for, for something that's a, a heavier transgression is, uh, applies even to a more lenient type of action? Maybe it's not true. And even if you're going to tell me that it is true, that you, listen, I warned you that if it was worse, you'd get the worse uh, consequence. Now that it wasn't as worse, you know, you get less of consequence. How do you know uh, death is more chamur, is, is worse, is more severe than Malchus? The Amar Rav, Rav says, like we said before, they would have bowed down. And on that, told his father, Fine, same response, right? That maybe there is this concept of ongoing torture being worse than death. However, when it's not an ongoing torture, i.e. receiving Malchus, we know there's an end to it. No one's going to say that it's worse than death. Moscow, of Murray. Murray has a challenging question. Am I the maze of How do you know? That when, when somebody tries to kill somebody else, bemazed, he tries to do it on purpose, and the guy who he tried to kill doesn't die, how do we know that we don't kill the attempted murderer? Maybe it means that, that uh, he just doesn't go to Gullis. Gomorrah says, Kasha. Yeah, um, Kasha means we're, uh, we're not exactly sure how to answer the question. It's a good question. We're not exactly sure how to answer it, but it's not a strong enough of a question to knock off our 
Mahalach. Okay, two dots. Here we go. We're going to have uh, just uh, two more minutes over here. We'll see how much ground we can cover in two minutes, and then we'll hold it here for today. Says the Gemara. Reish Lakish, Reish Lakish says, Hamani, who's the author of our Mishnah? Rav Meir, he, Damar, Lekim, Shalim, who says he got Malchus and you pay. Now, what's going on here? Quick, what we learned yesterday is a, we thought there's a dispute between our Mishnah here and the Mishnah in Makos. Our Mishnah here says, when a man violates a Nara, who's a Isser Kares, what happens? What do you got to do? What happens? You got to find. What does the, the Mishnah in Makos say? You got Malchus. So we're trying to understand this. Rishlokish says the ton of our mission is Mayor, who says, like a Umashalim. Says Mayor, if you would beat the Nami, if it's a mayor, even if a person is Ma'ani's his own daughter, he should have to pay the fine. Why do we leave out that case? Bechitim Rav Mayor, like Umashalim, Islay, Mason, Mashalim, Leslay. If you're gonna say that like Umashalim, you can get those two, but you could get both Malchus and money, but he's not gonna hold it. You get Misa and money, Valai. Would that not be true? A person steals and shechts a animal on Shabbos, or he steals and shechts an animal for Avay Dezara, both are obligation of Misa, right? You're serving Avay Dezara and Chil Shabbos. Of Shara, you, you, you steal an ox that didn't have any value because it's supposed to be thrown off the cliff. It's already judged to be stone. And then he shechs it. Mishan Toshim, Rebbe Chamishi. Still pay four and five. Four or five times the amount. Divir Rebbe Meir, there's the pin of Rebbe say, you are potish. You see very clearly Rebbe Meir holds that when there's a chi of Misa and a chi of Mammon, when there's death and money, that you're, you're going to get both. Answer the Gemara, hey, Allah, but we already learned about that statement, that Brisa, Amr of Yaakov, Amr of Yichanan, Amr of Yirmi, Amr of Yishem, Malakash, Rabbi Avon, Rabbi Lov, Chol Chavurasa, Mishvet, Rabbi Yichanan, Amri, B'Tayveach, Al Yedei, Acher. Okay, what happened was, he did a Mama Shechtet, he had somebody else Shechtet for him, he had a Shliach, and therefore, that's why you need to pay, because you're not Chayiv Misa, says the Gemara, of course you're not Chayiv Misa. I appoint the Shliach to Michal Shabbos and I'm going to have to pay. Why do I even have to pay the four or five? Somebody else shechted the animal for me. I shouldn't have to do nothing. Just like selling. Can you sell it to yourself? No. Selling, you need somebody else to go through it like that. So too, you would be obligated on four or five times of the payment if you have a Shliach shechting it for you. One more uh, piece, the Bay Rabbi Shmol Tana. Oi, the Rabbi says a Shliach. The word Oi means even if I have a Shliach Shechta for me, I need to pay four or five times the amount to be Chizkiyo Tana. Tachas, the Rabbi says a Shliach. Both are in agreement that if I have a Shliach Shechta for me, I'm still going to be obligated to pay four or five times the amount. We'll hold it here for today. Bezham, tomorrow we will go back to the two dots. Um, we'll go back a few lines on to, we'll, we'll, to the two dots on Lama Gilma Rebez, and we'll pick up from there. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening, everybody. Thank you. Um, Pleasure. I'm going to vacation. I'm going to visit your brother-in-law.